Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome to another hour dedicated to the notion of enlightenment. An hour for inquiry and reflection, all in an effort to understand exactly what enlightenment means and what it is to be enlightened. An hour devoted to exploring the edge of consciousness and all that is implied thereof, an hour that recognizes the nature of the subjective experience as being at least as important as our so-called objective reality that we reside within. Indeed, an hour for the open-minded, willing to examine their deepest beliefs, and an hour designed to help us go further inward and perhaps challenge some of those old ideas about the world we live in and the people we have become. This is an hour where we strive to evaluate knowledge as inseparable from the total experience of reality. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. Okay, every week I read a few of your letters as our way of paying respect to the importance you play in helping us to shape and improve our show. Last week, the show was all about my own work and a patented technology I developed known as Intertalk. Sue from England wrote, I loved the show this week. It was great hearing about your work. My husband was listening with me, and when the Serenity CD music started, he said, Brilliant. Good old Eldon. I have to tell you, that brings a smile to my face. So thanks for the feedback, Sue. Leslie wrote, I am listening today on Hay House Radio to your show about the Intertalk programs. You played one that had cello, which was really beautiful. Interesting what you said about resistance. I've cleared so much stuff in recent years, but it seems there is always another onion layer. I'm anxious to get to the center of the Tootsie Pop and want to bite into life's full force. I love that metaphor. She continues, we'll try your free programs first. Thanks, and I love your show. Well, thank you, Leslie, and for all of you. Remember that we provide a number of free programs on MP3 that you can download at absolutely no cost. Included among the free programs is what used to be our number one bestseller. Number one until we decided it was important enough that we should just give it away. The program I'm speaking of is Forgiving and Letting Go. Those of you that know my work know that I consider this the place for everyone serious about self-discovery and self-actualization to begin. There are a number of other titles there as well, and these programs are not samples. They are the real deal, the patented and proven effective Intertalk programs. We see this as part of our own pay-it-forward program, so please go get yours today. Simply go again to eldentaylor.com and use the left-hand navigation pane under the heading Free Programs. It couldn't be easier. All right, Viesta wrote, I just heard your program on Hay House Radio. Amazing. Thank you for making your knowledge available. Dora wrote, great show. Love it. It helps me to navigate as I journey through my world, encouraging rising consciousness in myself and others. Luann wrote, I want to thank you for all the info you provide on Hay House Radio. I love your show and really appreciate your knowledge and wisdom. You are the best. Wow. Thanks, Luann. Not sure everybody agrees with you, but I do appreciate that. All right, that's all the time we're going to take today for our letters. But I do invite you to opine. You can reach me by leaving comments on my website or by emailing Eldon at EldonTaylor.com and or by joining me on Facebook. I do read your letters, even though we don't have time to share them all on the show. That said, they do impact our programming. So once again, thank you. Now to today's show, The Meaning of Dreams. If you Google the meaning of dreams, you find side after side after side offering everything from dictionary definitions to pictorial representations of the symbols and meanings of dreams. 
Sigmund Freud revolutionized this area of research with his pioneering work, The Interpretation of Dreams. For Freud, nothing in the sphere of mental activity was a matter of pure happenstance. For Freud, everything is a result of some stimuli processed at some level of the mind, albeit usually unconscious. For Freud, the psychotension due to the continual conflict between the id and the superego may express itself in dreams, and thus many of our dreams could be the release of this tension and through images of a libidinal, thanatos, or conflict-oriented nature. For Freud, again, dreams could help a therapist understand the personality of the dreamer. Not only that, they could lead the therapist inward, discovering pathologies and their sources. Now, not everyone agrees with that. But for Freud's friend and contemporary, Carl Jung, dreams were a pathway toward understanding the collective unconscious. Since all of our minds are connected to the collective unconscious in Jung's view, by understanding our own consciousness, we could grasp the whole, the collective. In this way, we could achieve both the state of true individuation and a wholeness of self. According to Jung, dreams often contain archetypal information. For Jung, there were essentially four phases of dreams somewhat akin to drama, the exposition, the plot, culmination, and the resolution. And for Jung, this last phase was the most important. We all have dreams and we all seek to understand them. According to research at Carnegie Mellon University, the vast majority of people believe their dreams provide meaningful insight into themselves and their world. According to Professor Kerry Morwidge of Carnegie Mellon, quote, people attribute meaning to dreams when it corresponds with their pre-existing beliefs and desires. This was also the case in another experiment which demonstrated that people who believe in God were likely to consider any dream in which God spoke to them to be meaningful. Agnostics, however, considered dreams in which God spoke to them to be more meaningful when God commanded them to take a pleasant vacation than when God commanded them to engage in self-sacrifice. All right, there are precognitive dreams or prophetic dreams, anxiety dreams, conflict resolution dreams, fantasy formation dreams, or wish fulfillment dreams, and so on. Some of the most powerful and interesting dreams, however, are those precognitive ones, especially the dream that forecasts something that prepares an individual uh, to save their life or the life of another. I know what I think about dreams, and if you're like most, you probably have questions about some of your own. Our guest today is a dream expert, and she can tell us about many precognitive dreams as well as answer your every dream question. So we invite you to join us by calling toll-free 1-866-254-1579, and international callers can dial their country code then 760-918-4300. And again, you can also join us in our chat room at eldentaylor.com forward slash chat. Dr. Gillian Holloway. I'm, I'm not sure if we say Gillian or Jillian. 
So I'm going to say Jillian holds a PhD in psychology. She is a recognized expert in the field of dream interpretation. Her ongoing research with contemporary dream themes and modern symbolism makes her findings stimulating and pragmatically useful. She teaches classes in dream analysis and intuitive development at local colleges in Washington and Oregon. She is a veteran when it comes to the media, having appeared in more than 400 interviews, including ABC's 2020 and, of course, our friend George Nury's Coast to Coast AM. Dr. Holloway has been involved in dream analysis for more than 20 years. I have her book, The Complete Dream Book of Love and Relationship. It is a great read, as is her earlier book, which we'll talk about during the program, I'm sure. It is a guidebook for using your dreams to understand your heart. She uses the interpretations of 30,000 actual dreams from people just like us to help us access the wisdom in our dreams so we can make the most of our relationships. So let's meet our guest. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Dr. Jillian Holloway. Hi, Eldon. It's a thrill to be on your show. Well, thank you. It's our thrill, indeed our honor. Now, you you have to set me straight. My first question has to be, is it Gillian or Jillian? Your instincts are right on. It's Jillian. It is? Yes, it's associated Uh, to uh, Giles, the English name. uh Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Well, ground us. Tell us, I mean, a little bit about how you got into dream research. Well, it... It sort of got me. I didn't get it. Um, I was studying to be a therapist, Eldon, and as we were talking about dreams, I could see that people got something from their dreams that they didn't get from good advice. And it was as though they got a bit of information, and it came loaded with a kind of emotional motivation to make changes. The difference was one man who had tried to quit smoking for many, many years, and he had a dream finally that he saw his lungs in the future, and they were charred black, and that was it for him. He was then somehow suddenly able to make the changes necessary to quit smoking. So I thought, you know, this was tailor-made for him, and that's the important piece about our dreams. They're not just another part of information, but they come drenched with the emotional capacity that we need to use them. There are a lot of naysayers about dream work, and there are a lot of books out there. You heard that in the setup piece. What makes your book, in your own words, different from all those out there? Well, a couple of things. I'm, I'm of the opinion that almost any approach to working with dreams can get you on the right track because it's really the dreamer who has the answers. But my approach is a little different in that I'm trying to make it more straightforward. I'm trying to stay away from the psychobabble and the lingo and the theories and just talk about the dreamer and the dreamer's life. Another thing that makes it a bit different is that I've collected so many stories and I'm not I'm trying not to draw inferences from mythology or from psychological theory or from diagnoses. I'm trying to draw inferences from the number of people who have certain types of dream themes and the situations that they describe that are going on in their real life when they have the dream. And it's fascinating that often we have certain types of stressors, certain types of conflicts, or an emotional paralysis, and sure enough, we start having dreams about being paralyzed and wanting to run but not being able to. So not all dreams fit into these neat categories, 
But enough of them do that I think it gives us a jump start to each of us understanding our own dreams. Not that you need it, but you do have my congratulations on accomplishing what it is that you set out to. I think your book does an excellent job there. Well, the phones are lighting up. Um, a couple of, well, I, yeah. in fact, let's just go to the phones or I'm going to end up in deep trouble here and, and <laughs> we're going to end up, well, when you, when you have 10 or 12 callers that you don't get to, yeah. you feel horrible at the end of it. So let's, let's just go to Serene in Puerto Rico. Serene, you're on the air with Dr. Holloway. You have a question about your dreams? I do. Thank you both for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dr. Holloway, there's, it's a two-part, so please don't let the first question be my main question. I wanted your opinion about dream catchers, the Native American dream catchers. Mm-hmm. I have one, and I uh, relocated it to my window. Right, It's an angle that hits directly in my bed. Uh, where I sleep, and it seems to really, really have given me great results. So is it that I'm willing that, or is there some spiritual um, scientific evidence that they work? Okay, what's your? do you want me to answer that first, or what's your second question? My second question is about, um, I do have a lot of dreams. I do remember a lot of them the next day without having to journal. Um, so the main one that I'm confused about is me falling through a tunnel, Mm-hmm. And being caught, it was almost like um, miners being trapped, some kind of tunnel like that, and being caught by, like, workmen. And I'm not a news person, so the dream came, and then I started hearing about what happened in Chile, Chile or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so that came, my dream came before that incident. I want to know about um, what that can possibly symbolize. Have you had that more than once, Serene? Um... You know, I have a self-explanatory dream about dying uh, quite a bit, and I'm in the winds of change and a lot of transformation. Okay. So the, tu- the tunnel was, I think, the first time I really, really can visualize myself and what it looked like and what the men were wearing, yellow mm-hmm. and hard hats. I mean, orange, mm-hmm. orange. They had orange clothes on. Oh, that's fascinating. <laughs> well, let me let me answer the, the dream part first. Um, I do think that... We often pick up information about globally significant events. And because I get so many dreams over the Internet, I can see, you know, when people start dreaming about a certain thing and then a large incident occurs. Um, That there does seem, we do seem to get almost waves of dream imagery. And so, in my opinion, it's very possible that you picked up what was going on in Chile. And also, but... That doesn't dismiss the dream from potentially having some meaning for you on a personal level. There's often a similarity. Just as we resonate with a movie that we see because we can relate to it, we resonate with global events because we can relate to them in some sense in our own story. So it's possible you might play with on a much less dramatic level that you were going through something where you could have lost all hope, but in fact... You, the situation turned around for you. Does that make sense to you? Um, turning around, yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. I feel like I'm still in a tunnel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if you are still going through something that seems like a dark tunnel, hold on to the sense that anything can happen, that events do respond to our intention, and that all hope is not lost, even though, you know, that's the test when we're going through a dark a dark passage, so to speak. 
So hold on to that. Absolutely, yeah. All right. As far as dream catchers go, you know, I know a lot of people are delighted by them, and I hear different responses about their effectiveness, the idea being that they'll capture some negativity and that your dreams will take on a more positive turn. So I think it's quite individual what you're going to find. For some people, it's a delight, and for other people, not much happens. I don't know, quite frankly, if there's any power in the, the geometry of the design, but I always give things like that the benefit of the doubt. I haven't found anything myself, but it may just be something that I don't know anything about yet. So many things in life that I'm involved with now, 10 or 15 years ago, I thought were silly. And now I'm realizing I just hadn't looked around the corner and seen what it meant yet. So if you like it, you use it. Okay. And, and finally, do you have recommendations on um, how to become, I'm new to this term, more lucid in my dreams, more... Um, um, directive or, you know, how I can take more from my dreams. Do you have any recommendations on how to do that? One of the best, yeah, one of the best things you can do is to start writing down your dreams and talking about them with people who will uh, not make fun of you. The more you talk about dreams and sort of get involved with them, the more you will automatically, spontaneously start to become lucid. You can also ask when you go to bed at night, just in your mind, ask your deeper mind to let you become more lucid in your dreams, not so much from the perspective of controlling them or manipulating them, but from the sense of just becoming more aware and more fearless and more open to new ideas. Yeah, I just started doing that and it works, so thank you. Good, thanks for calling. Thank you, Serene. We appreciate your call. All right, we have a couple of minutes before we have a hard break here, so let me race a couple of fast questions by you, all right? Okay. Uh, why do we experience dream amnesia? You know, I think it's uh, partly it's a personality trait from what we can see. Uh, there's been some good research done by Ernest Hartman in a book called uh, Boundaries in the Mind about personality traits. Some of us draw more hard lines on everything, logic and feelings, you know, you and I. There's much more of a sense of separation and discrete sort of states of mind. And people who are prone to that in their personality tend to draw a hard line. You're either asleep and everything's blank or you're awake and everything's lit up. So it, it's more, it's about 50-50 in the population, the general population. So a lot of us don't recall our dreams perfectly normal, nothing unhealthy about it. Um, I think that the more compressed and busy and rushed we are by day, the more we close ourselves off from all aspects of subjective awareness and wisdom, particularly our intuition and our dreams. That's just what I've observed. Would you agree? I mean, yes and no. I, I, I suppose uh, I, I equivocate only there uh, on that threshold point, that point where we awake and we have the dream, we swing our, bed, our feet out of the bed uh, and start toward the bathroom and it dissipates. Yes. Um, you know, there I, there, I think there is something else going on other than the linear model. But we're about to go to break, so maybe we can discuss that on the back side of the break. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment. We're discussing the meaning of dreams. Be sure to stay tuned. You don't want to miss what's coming up. And thank you for listening. Do you feel like you've become lost in a funhouse? Only seeing the reflection of yourself, past, future, and present but unable to find the real you, I invite you to step through the doorway and onto the path leading to understanding of your mind, 
your choices, and the influences that surround you. Read Elton Taylor's New York Times best-selling book, Choices and Illusions. Now expanded, updated, and revised, it will provide you with real-life examples of how you can break free from your current perceptions and begin your journey to how high is up. Get your copy today from all bookstores or online from Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Close your eyes. Imagine your goals and dreams. What's preventing you from accomplishing them? Most often, we are our own worst enemies. I can't. I'm not good enough. It's time to reprogram that inner dialogue. Replace all those negative self-images with, I'm good. I am powerful. I can do anything. Eldon Taylor's Inner Talk patented subliminal technology does just that. Researched at numerous universities such as Stanford and by governments such as Mexico and Germany, InnerTalk has repeatedly been proven effective at changing your self-talk. Stop imagining your goals and make them a reality today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K dot com. InnerTalk.com. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're discussing the power of your dreams. Be sure uh, to sign up for our free newsletter when you visit eldontaylor.com. All right. Now, we're going to go back to the show, but for those of you that couldn't get into the chat room, I want to remind you that the chat room stays up live for a full week. This show will re-air several times during this week. And you'll want to go see this video that was in the chat room. I'm going to prompt you, Dr. Holloway. Uh, what we did is we showed in the chat room your story of the rancher and the little lost boy. Mm. Is, that, is that enough of a trigger for you to be able to tell that story so people can relate to it if they didn't see it in the chat room? Oh, sure. Yeah. Would you please? Yes. Yes. There was a, uh, this is a well-documented case, but it was several years ago, and there were some young kids that were going off to a camp in the winter, and uh, one of the boys, and it started to snow, and the kids went into the camp, and one of the boys had forgotten something on the bus, and he just dashed out really quickly to grab what he needed from the bus, and he never came back to the camp. Well, what had happened is that the snow was coming down so quickly that he got disoriented. And when he turned around to go back to camp, he couldn't see the camp and he couldn't see the bus and everything had disappeared. So he just started walking. Well, he got completely lost and was walking and walking. Well, eventually there was a all points bulletin announced over the radio and uh, they were trying to figure out where he'd gone and what had happened. And a rancher and his family in, in their home were listening to the radio. And the rancher said, well, that boy's not going to make it because it's going to get dark soon and and there's just no way. And he looked over at his own son. He had a boy not much older than the one that had gotten lost. And it just really got to him. But they finished dinner and uh, went to bed. Well, in the middle of the night, he sat bolt upright because he'd had a dream. And he said, I know where that boy is. I saw him. 
And he got his son, woke him up and said, saddle the horses. We're going after that boy. I saw him. I know where he is. He's under some wooden debris and he's taken shelter. And they rode out and looked, and the first place that he thought he was looking, uh, thought the boy was, it wasn't, he wasn't there. And then he realized it must have been this fallen shack, and the boy kind of crawled under it, and he saw it in his dream. So they rode and rode, and, and uh, in fact, they found the little boy, and he was still alive. And they pulled him out and got him back and got him help in time, and he survived. And it was all because he had seen this vivid location of where the little boy had taken shelter in his dream, and he knew the area enough that they could ride out and find him. And like you say, a well-documented story. It gives you goosebumps to see this story or to hear this story. Uh, and, and that is one of the things. You know, there are the naysayers about uh, dreams and the capital U unconscious, and particularly this collective unconscious notion and archetypal and so on and so forth. You know all about that. Uh, but when you start looking at the anomalies, the, the so-called white crows, there are so many of them that to ignore this as an important channel in the human experience, would, in my opinion, would just be ridiculous. Uh, do you agree with that? Absolutely. You put that really well. It's, it's, and I think there is a, a, a kind of a taboo that's been enculturated for various reasons over time, which is that, you know, it's, it's more convenient for some people if we don't have access to our own powers. And um, so I think that it isn't that these things aren't real. It is that we've been trained to ignore them to our deficit. Concur. Very well said. Now, I've got to take, uh, I'm going to try and bounce these. I'm going to take uh, some questions from the chat room real quick, and then we'll go to the telephones. I'm going to ask everybody on the phones because the phones are full. We're going to try and get all your calls and encourage you to continue to call, but please ask just one question. So prioritize your question so we can get everybody on the air. Out of the chat room, <clears throat> who is that, Ravinder? In the back. I don't even know how to say this. Uncle Bits, I guess. Uncle Bits. Uh, Uncle oh, Bits. All right. Here's a question. <laughs> Here is a good one. When we visit with our dear departed from this plane in our dreams, are we really in communication with them, or are they just figments of our dream imagination? Wow, that's a huge question. Well, in my opinion, it is possible that we are in communication with them. Now, that said... The dream, I'm collecting those dreams and kind of trying to look at them and separate one from the other. We dream about the dead all the time, and we dream for psychological reasons, reasons of grief, reasons of reference. But the, the so-called visitation dreams do have quite a different quality. And the people who are convinced that they have actually communicated with the departed awaken with a sense that they've been with that person. And subjectively, they are more certain of that than almost anything. They say the description is, this dream was more real than real life. So if you have something that has that characteristic and that simplicity, and you believe it was a communication, I think you can trust that. I do believe it's possible. Cool. All right, let's go to the phones. We have Becky in Memphis, Tennessee. Becky, you're on the line with uh, Dr. Holloway. What is your question? Well, I was just wondering what would make you dream about something that you feel like that you put to bed many, many years ago. For instance, I dreamed the other night that my former mother-in-law 
was saying all of those hateful things to me again, mm-hmm. and I woke up feeling just terrible. But I forgave her years ago. This is a great question, Becky. I'm so glad you brought it up because this is one of the reasons people contact me all the time. You are absolutely right that you put the issue of your mother-in-law to bed and that you released her and forgave her. So trust that. What your dream is doing is referencing some other kind of criticism that you have received or encountered. It could be something that you that you put on yourself unfairly and not knowing mm-hmm. that you weren't that you were being aggressive with yourself, so to speak. Or it could be something that someone else did. And mm-hmm. not as severe, but this your your mother in law is the poster on the on the postage stamp, so to speak, <laughs> for that type of behavior. Does that make sense? It kinda does. Okay. And yes, yeah, someone um did wound my spirit just okay. recently. Okay. Uh and of course it was false. Yes. You know, yes. Uh, information. And and when we have been overexposed to a toxic emotional situation, we develop almost like an allergy. We become sensitized because we've got some scar tissue, even though you're mm-hmm. forgiven. So All that's right. one reason why it stings so much. And it, the dream can just be explaining, you know, this is why you had that reaction and why it got under your skin. Mm. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. calling, Becky. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all right. Out of the chat room, Mod Girl. Her question, can you ask about dreams of buildings with many rooms in them? What does that mean? Oh, you know, it's fascinating. The buildings in our dreams tend to represent, not always, but the tendency is that they represent um, potentials and capacities. So a, a building with a lot of rooms, particularly houses with a lot of rooms, we have those dreams when we're exploring possibilities. We discover room, whole wings in the house that you didn't know were there, or lots and lots of rooms in a building where it's like, oh, I could have my office here, and I could have a flat here, and an art gallery there. So usually, if the dream is positive and has a positive tone, it has to do with all these potentials that the dreamer is exploring and discovering. Cool. All right, let's go back to the telephones. Robin in Ohio has a very relevant question. Robin, you're on the air. Yeah, you're on Hey House Radio with Dr. Holloway and a broken voice out of my <laughs> my. <laughs> go ahead. Um, I've dreamed since I was a child, and I've been told to possibly journal my dreams. But since I don't have good dreams, aren't I putting that intent out there when I dream of others' death or other things happening? I fear that is one of my biggest fears is if I do journal my dreams, I'm actually putting the intent of my dream out there. Oh, that's a fascinating question, Robin. It really is. Um, And I love that. So here's a a couple of thoughts for you. One is that I work with a lot of people with nightmares. That's why they contact me. People don't contact me because they're dreaming about rainbows. They're dreaming about, you know, stalkers and things like that, and they want to know. So what will happen if you journal your dreams is it diffuses the tension around those images. When you bottle it up and keep it secret or you're ashamed or worried about it or you're trying to push it away, that tends to make dreams more rough and and nasty, quite frankly. It's as though the mind is trying to tell you something, and because you won't listen, it starts shouting at you. 
So even with all that we know about intention, it will, it will help you to write down your dreams and then journal about, well, what could this mean? What could this represent? I know it's not really the images in the dream. What could it be telling me? The second thing, does that make sense? Okay. Okay, the second thing, real quick, is when you go to, go to sleep at night, ask your mind and say, hey, I'm listening, thanks for the messages, but you're scaring the beejeebers out of me. Would you give me the same information in a way that's not so horrifying so I can get it? And okay, because dream- I have dreams. Like, in my particular dreams, when I see, like, well, I, I dreamed of someone passing, mm-hmm. and they did pass away. The only difference was I was there, and it's happened before. So, like I said, with the journaling, I will take your advice because I've always been afraid with my other dreams that I would put that intent out there, and I I don't want to do that at all if I see something like that happening. Well, of course not, yeah. And you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to become your own researcher, so to speak, with the way that your dreams present. Some people are more inclined to pick up on, uh, you know, pregnancies, marriages, deaths. It's almost like they have that instinct much more strongly than others. But I think that's perfectly natural. So you're going to have to learn how it works, and what your dreams look like. But the more you instruct your mind to give you a certain type of dream that you can handle and absorb and benefit from, the more it will respond to you. Okay. All right. Well, I thank you both very much for answering my question. Thank you. Have a good day. Dr. Holloway, are you there? Hi there. Yes, I'm here. Are you there? (laughs) Yeah, a little bit of a technical glitch. I apologize. You know, and it would happen on the day that I compliment the station. uh, You know, and it it isn't. It isn't the guy's fault. It's a technical hiccup that happens when you do these codec things. Uh Let's just go right straight back to a call. All right. Uh, Oh, I wanted to make one comment, by the way, in in wrapping up what you said, Oliver Sacks said, and I know who you know he is, Mm -hmm. why the brain should terrify its owner by repeating horrifying memories during dream, during sleep seems beyond comprehension. But you just gave a wonderful answer for why we have those nightmares. Uh, I'd have you add to that, but I'm going to jump to a phone call. You bet. We have Dina from uh, New York City on line four. Dina, you're on the air with Dr. Holloway. What is your question? Yes, my question is how to interpret a dream where someone I love very much, my husband, um, is actually, he's with me alive and then he's dead. We were in a very barren area on a rock together, like in the middle of nowhere, and enjoying the peacefulness and calm. And he said, I'm going to go for a swim. And when I didn't see him after a little while, I looked in the water and I couldn't see any movement. And I just saw the water was all muddy. And then as I started to wade in, it actually cleared. And I was thinking, well, he had to come through here because normally when you wade, it will stir up the bottom. Mm -hmm. And then as the water cleared, I could see him laying face down um, with his head under a rock. And I pulled him out and took him to land and remember thinking, oh, I have to flip him on his back to give him um, CPR to revive him. And I did that, and then I woke up. Oh, my goodness. Well, what's your sense about it, Dina? Do you feel like this might be precognitive, or are you so shook up by it that you don't know what to think? Well, you know, it wasn't what, believe it or not, I wouldn't have called it a nightmare. I would call it disturbing. 
Yes. But the whole thing was just in the most serene, calm nature with no people. It was barren, which I thought was kind of odd, but um, like Alaska barren. Um, but beautiful, and there was like a little crab on the next, you know, boulder over, and we were way up on the boulder. Um, I, I had a, my interpretation of it is possibly that I was recognizing that he is spiritually dead, mm. uh, because I'm on a wellness spirituality journey. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes. It, it, so that's what I was thinking and why I could only think of calmness, but that I was you know, like, you know, trying to revive him, but not panicked and, oh, my gosh, he's dead and it's a horrible nightmare. It was just more like, I'll flip him over and we'll pump him and we'll get the water out and everything will be okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it is still very disturbing because sure. I, I don't sure. know enough about dreams. Um, well, here's what we have to do, and this is the pickle of this type of dream. You have to absorb it if it's a potential warning and realize that, I hear lots and lots and lots of these stories, and I don't believe that we have these dreams because someone is doomed. I believe we have these dreams because we have a choice, and that when future events begin to unfold, we can then change the outcome because we're forewarned by the dream. And I I believe that happens almost whether we remember the dream or not. I think this is part of our survival instinct, and in years to come, we're going to understand better how this functions. So what I recommend for folks who have dreams of this type is to just trust that. If anything were to happen, you could respond and the outcome would be different. But I like very much, in the meantime, your psychological theory and interpretation of this, that maybe there's some way that you feel you're alive and he's not, or that he has been swamped or drowned in some way in, through his life path, and you have an opportunity to kind of spark and revive him in some sense. I think if if that's the interpretation that kind of rose up from your consciousness, it's very likely that you're right. Okay. All right? Thanks for calling, Dina. We Thank appreciate it. Thank you both it. very much. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Bye-bye. All right. Dr. Holloway, we, we have a little bit of a problem here. We have lots of questions, lots of phones lit up, and roughly two minutes. So... <laughs> You're going to come back and join us again, right? Oh, I'd love to, Eldon. Yes. All right. Well, then we'll just I'll just plan on that. Andrea will set up another show, and we'll bring you back, and and uh, we'll cross our fingers, and there'll be no technical hiccups. So. <laughs> okay. Now the books. You, you have two books that I I strongly you know recommend. They are great reads. Uh, the complete dream book of love and relationship. And the complete dream book, uh, Discover What Your Dreams Reveal About You and Your Life. And I think you have a second edition of that one out now, right? That's correct, yes. Okay. Tell our listening audience how they can get to you, how they can, you know, continue, ask you questions, what your contact details are, Facebook page, you know, give me your promo. Okay. Well, my (laughs) research uh, website is lifetrex.com, L-I-F-E-T-R-E-K-S. There's a contact button there. You can subscribe to my free newsletter, which is all information, no sales pitch. Um, And those are some great ways to get started. You can also look at the dreams that have been posted since 1995. Every month, a dream and comments are posted. So that will give you a good idea of how the interpretations are drawn from the research. You know, lifetrex.com, it 
do people can people actually submit a dream to you there? They can. Yes. You should you should hit the comment button and let me know if you want me to write back to you about the dream because they're going into a huge database uh, for research. So if you want me to get to you personally, I certainly will. Just give me a, a heads up with the comment button. All right, wonderful. And uh, like I say, we'll arrange to have you back. Again, the book, The Complete Dream Book of uh, Love and Relationships, or The Complete Dream Book, Discover the Truth About Yourself. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing that quickly. <laughs> we have links at our website, uh, eldentaylor.com. You'll find these books on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles. They are great reads. Well, <clears throat> we've come to the end of another hour of provocative enlightenment. I want to thank you all for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed our show, and we'll join us again next week, same time and same place, when there won't be any hiccups. And if you like our show, do let us all know. Okay, until next time, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters.